So Money episode 1112, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. This episode is brought to us by Country Financial. Welcome to So Money, everybody. October 23rd, 2020. Had a pretty crazy week. Awesome week, actually. I got the chance to meet the one and only Drew Barrymore. Do you know Drew Barrymore's history? I mean, talk about somebody who has overcome some outrageous triumphs. Uh, You can look it up, but I mean, divorcing her mother at 14, addicted to drugs and alcohol at a very young age, being committed as a teen. Her mom just like dropped her off at a clinic and didn't tell her she was taking her there. And, you know, a year and a half later, came and picked her up and having to rebuild her career in Hollywood after being shamed. And she talks about how she, you know, would go on these auditions and people would laugh at her and uh, couldn't believe that she was showing up because I guess she had had such a crazy period of time in her teens and um, people doubted that she had cleaned up. Fast forward to today, she's a mother of two. She's a Hollywood star. She is a business owner. She's an entrepreneur. She has her own makeup. She has her own beauty line, her own production company, and she has her own talk show called The Drew Barrymore Show. Maybe you've caught it. I've been in talks with her team since the summer about working together, and we finally made it happen this week, came on the show to record a segment, and really enjoyed meeting her. Who you see is truly who she is. She's deeply passionate about this talk show. Behind the scenes, she was being meticulous about a lot of the details. She's not one of those you know, celebrity hosts that just sort of shows up and you turn them on and they start reading the prompter. Like she's involved in the design, the writing. She, I was so impressed. The producers had written an entire script for her in the prompter. And she was like, you know what? I'm just gonna speak from the heart. And she totally did, unscripted, without fail, no hiccups. It made for a better show. What can I say? She's uh, she's onto something. I told her, I said, you might be onto something here. So yes, now we're best friends, but stay tuned for that. I'm not sure when that is airing, but that was a really uh, fun treat for me to be able to also go back into the city took a car service into the city. I wore two masks, rolled the windows down, wore sunglasses just because I'm being extra, extra careful these days as we get into the winter months. I have a new podcast program for anyone who's interested in making money with their show. To uh, be a part of this program, you need to already have a show, but you might be frustrated because you have yet to monetize the show, whether it's through ad revenue or other sources. I've got a lot of ideas. I've been doing this for five years. I have multiple different revenue streams that I've created through having a podcast and I want to teach you everything. It's called Pays to Podcast Mastermind. It's very high touch, applications required. And we're going to be very careful about who we select because we want to make sure that everyone who's in the program is able to contribute, is able to really take the advice and hit the ground running. If you're interested, I'm not going to say the website here because it's really long and ugly. Just email me, farnoosh at com, and I will send you that link. Today's Ask Farnoosh 
Research focuses on questions circling around how to manage your household finances in this era of a pandemic, of a recession. I've recently partnered with Country Financial and they've conducted this eye-opening survey, which truly reinforces what we've all suspected all along, which is that people are struggling, right? 51% of parents in this survey said that they have financial concerns with extra food, childcare, tech, and internet costs. So many parents are taking care of their kids at home, homeschooling, and trying to do their own work at the same time. 27% of parents have had to delay paying rent, credit card bills, auto insurance bills, or retirement contributions. We're putting a lot of things on the back burner right now. It's just about survival, right? So coming up soon, I'll be joined by Troy Frericks, who is country's vice president of investment services to help us answer our listeners' questions. We've got a question from a new parent about the related costs and time pressures of working and raising a kid at home, how to do it. And another question about a mom who's left her job in the pandemic to take care of her big family understandably, but she's concerned about how to go back into the workforce and not lose momentum. Another listener wants to know how to navigate the increased cost of college kids boomeranging, coming back home, living with the parents. It's nice to have your maybe adult kids back at home or your college age kids back at home, but some of your expenses will inevitably go up. How to manage that? You can learn more about the country survey and get access to some really helpful content that I've curated there at countryfinancial.com slash Farnoosh. More on this in a minute. Let's first go to the iTunes review section and pick our reviewer of the week. This person receives a free 15 minute money session with me. This week, we're going to say thank you to Emmy. October 8th, left reviews calling So Money my favorite finance podcast. She says, I listened to a number of finance podcasts before stumbling on So Money, and it was such a game changer for me. Farnoosh is brilliantly smart, but shares her knowledge in a way that feels down to earth and relatable. I've improved my financial situation vastly since listening to her show, and I could not be more appreciative of the content that she and her guests share. Emmy, thank you so much. I'm honored that you have switched gears over to So Money and that it has been such a game changer for you. Love to connect. Email me, farnushedsomoneypodcast.com. Let me know you left the review. You can also you know, send me a little DM on Instagram. I've been hanging out there for quite some time at Farnoosh Tarabi. Leave me a direct message. You could do both, maybe just in case it's a busy week or something, but I'll be getting back to you promptly with a link where you can select a time for us to chat. Looking forward to it. All right, let's head over to the mailbag with our guest, Troy Frericks from Country Financial. Welcome to So Money. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Well, I have to thank you, you know, for first this partnership, making this podcast possible and for the insights that uh, Country Financial has recently discovered, you know, serving the country, asking people about, you know, just how are you doing given everything that's changed with the way that we're working in school. And of course, amidst the pandemic and recession, there was an interesting study that Country Financial conducted earlier this fall. And perhaps not a surprise, the headline is that people are hurting financially with so many unexpected costs, right? Related to back to school, people's employment has changed. Maybe they've been furloughed or they've, they're in between work. What from the survey, given your background, your extensive background as you know, working in financial services, investment services, what shocked you, if anything, about this survey? What was most interesting to you? 
you've obviously been doing a lot of work, you know, in this area too, and how, and just how the pandemic is really having this effect on parents. And one of the things that really stood out to me was just, just the impact financially for parents versus non-parents. So almost every category that parents seemingly came out just a little bit worse feeling about their financial security as a result of the pandemic than non-parents. And that came in the form of just seeing they're more likely to, to miss a payment or just have additional expenses because of kids being home, you know, and doing doing class virtually and, and, the, and the like. So that certainly came through as, as one of the, the eye-openers. I was also, you know, we always do in, in these surveys, we've been doing them since 2007, we always just gauge how Americans are generally feeling about their financial security. And that can be a lot of different things. But in general, the overall level of financial security was almost the same this time, um, this past survey as it was a year ago. Uh, so the general amount of financial security feelings in America haven't changed, but it's underneath the hood, those layers, there are clearly pockets of people that are, are having a lot of problems right now. So that was a little bit surprising. And then the last one, just from a financial planning standpoint, if you, if you look at how many people just don't have a, a, an emergency fund savings uh, cash flow right now, I think 27% of Americans said that if they lost their job within one month, they wouldn't be able to pay their bills. Mm. Uh, so those are openers for me. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, planning plans. That's a that's a term that we almost like took for granted pre-pandemic. Who can even plan anything anymore? And of course, we're going to get into some of that when we answer people's questions, people of all stages, of all types of families uh, writing into us. But just as a, from your perspective, as someone who's been working with people, helping them with their money for, for the better part of your career, can we even plan right now? I mean, <laughs> that's sort of a, it's meant to be sort of a tongue-in-cheek question, but you can understand people are really nervous and doubtful of making any plans with certainty right now. Yeah, I think the certainty aspect is is uh, is certainly out there, but it always is. There's always something that's going on. Obviously, that's pretty extreme right now with the pandemic. We've never seen this. Our children will will probably always remember this as as will we. But I, you know, I think it still comes back to the basics of assessing where you're at, how much you know income and cash flow you have each month, and and what goes out the door. So really controlling what you can, which let's be, let's be honest, we, we really don't have a lot of control over certain things, mm-hmm. um, but controlling what we can. And, and if we're fortunate enough to still have uh, and be employed and have income coming in, you know, what we're spending on that on um, obviously matters. And, and right now, some of those costs for certain, uh, you know, Americans have gone up, particularly parents. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we, we, the last recession, in 2008, 2009, that was dubbed the man session because there were more men unemployed, lost their jobs in that particular economic downturn. Fast forward to today, it's often being called the female recession. But if you look even closer, it's like the mom recession, you know, like women who are parents who are working and dads as well. But it is it is seems to be hardest hit for families. We have a question from Martine in the audience and good news, bad news. Okay. So good news is she's a new mom. Congratulations, Martine. She is one of the families in this pandemic who started a family or expanded their family. They have a newborn. So it's a really exciting time or it should be a really exciting time minus the lack of sleep. But she says, how do I do this while trying to work 
remotely full time. I have a couple of friends in this boat who had kids in the pandemic, babies, and were on maternity leave and sort of, you know, left maternity leave, but still stayed at home and just didn't know how to reset. For a lot of parents going back to work after family leave, it's important, right? That adjustment is sort of like, you know, you, you create these boundaries, it's important so that you can compartmentalize and kind of be in work mode at work and in mom or dad mode at home. But she's just like kind of, you know, like a lot of us straddling both of these worlds under one roof for the first time. I mean, I have a couple of tips for her, but I wanted to hear from you first, Troy, if you had any advice, maybe some financial advice for her. It sounds like she needs to get help. You cannot do this all on your own. This is, uh, this is not for the faint of heart. Yeah, so often. I mean, and congratulations, Martine, on on the new baby and the new addition to the family. And that's so exciting, regardless of the the time that currently in. And, you know, to want to enjoy that time, you know, with your newborn, but then have the stress of, of being able to care for your baby while you're working, obviously, that's adding to it. It still does come back to um, establishing a budget for your new, you know, your new reality, along with the pandemic and working at home, being able to bring in some some childcare help while you're working, if that's you know available to you in the budget. But again, it, it really does go back into assessing the what you have control over, in this case, what the income is coming in versus the expenses mm-hmm. and account the fact that you need childcare. And then of course, you know, starting to uh, that once you've kind of got that taken care of, building up the emergency fund, we talked about that stat, a lot of Americans don't have one. I think that would be a great thing to do if you could, you know, start establishing that. That takes a little stress off, off the table as well if you have that. Uh, making sure you've got insurance, uh, you know, health insurance, hopefully you do through your employer. All those things are being important. And then finally, once those things are kind of taken care of, those basic needs, then, then you can start thinking about, oh, wow, we got college now. We've got a, got a newborn we've got to start thinking about, or we've got our own retirements, right? So those are kind of the longer term. But I think, again, establishing that budget and the basic blocking and tackling at the beginning would be really important. I'll tell you one thing, Martine, joining a parent group, whether that's on Facebook or other sites, where you guys can exchange advice, resources, food, clothing. I'm on a bunch of these in Facebook on Facebook for our family. And you'll be surprised just how many things people are just giving away for newborns. You have this tendency to feel like you have to get them everything brand new, but it's not like this is a huge cost suck for a lot of families is buying all this stuff that they think they're supposed to get for their newborn. And you don't really need to do that, or you can get it gently used or you can borrow a lot of this stuff from neighbors. So uh, that is number one. And then number two, Martine, as a working mother now, really important to set boundaries, new boundaries for yourself, for your sanity, uh, whether that means an email reply, an automatic email reply that goes out to all work emails between certain hours because you just know that you're not going to want to address work during those hours. Talking to your boss about what sort of hours flexibility he or she can give you to better suit your family's needs. I mean, this is the reality. A lot of times when we become parents, we try to hide our insecurities or our troubles at home. We shield them from our boss. We don't want our boss to know that, you know, we, we're having a, a bit of a, a time right now. We want to seem like we're super productive, super reliable. But communication is really key. And right now, everybody's in that boat. Your boss 
is also probably struggling with family stuff at home and work stuff. So there's more empathy right now. And I think there is an invitation for everybody to be transparent and vocal with your higher ups and say, this is what I'm dealing with. And I'm totally on top of work, but can we find some flexibility so that, or, or here's what, you know, I can't, you know, maybe answer emails after six o'clock because that's go time for me at home with the kids and everything. So just being really upfront and honest about your situation, it might be an initially a hard conversation to have, but after you have it, it's all out there. And, you know, I think you'll, you'll be able to feel a little bit more of freedom as you're, as you're trying to navigate both of these worlds, uh, knowing that, you know, people are aware of what's happening to you. You're not going it alone. And, and, and that's just good advice for any new parent, but especially right now, uh, because it's impossible to create these divides. And so you have to create those boundaries proactively before things go crazy. But Martine, yeah, congratulations to you and your new family. And please keep the questions coming. Thanks for your advice, Troy, as well. Next up is Lena. Here's her question, Troy. She says, earlier this summer, I decided to take a leave of absence from work since we were struggling to figure out childcare for our boys age six and nine. So I'm guessing like first grade and maybe third or fourth grade. And now with school being completely virtual, it would, it would be impossible to have two working parents and no childcare. I'd like to return to work. And I told my boss that I'd probably come back in January, but I'm not sure if that's realistic. I feel like I'm in limbo and I don't want to risk losing my job altogether. So this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Troy, which is that you know moms in particular are often feeling that they have to sort of take one for the team. I'm going to quit my job and you know try to keep everything normal at home while still bringing in uh, one income th- through the other partner. But this really is a threat, right, to a lot of working parents who are taking time off right now. How can they navigate this? And more importantly navigate this so that when they are ready to go back into the workforce, they're not terribly behind. Because we know there's sort of that penalty, right? The more you're out of work, the harder it is to get back in the job force and make the money that you were making or more than what you were making. This is, um, you know, a really difficult situation is really the epitome of the whole survey, you know, at, at its core from this past go around. And, you know, obviously sitting down and feeling that you need to be there, but you want to have that job and it puts you in a tough spot. And I think, again, take sitting down and evaluating that. Will that return to work uh, give you the, the funds that you need in order to afford those, those childcare options that you're going to need if, if you're going to go back completely? I would hope too, you know, given the understanding of what's happening and, and obviously, you know, working with your boss uh, and coming up maybe with some different part-time options or something like that, uh, would they consider you know, that possibility. So there, there's a, it's, it's not easy, but, but it's something that, you know, obviously that, uh, you know, people tend to be a little more uh, understanding right now about the tough situation that so many Americans find themselves in, particularly working moms. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, there are so many free online courses right now from Harvard, MIT, Stanford, everyone's virtual right now, which means that uh, it's more accessible for people to gain, gain access to some of these courses. And a lot of them are being offered for free. I'll give you the case of my, my father, who a few years ago lost his job at a very sort of prime age in his career, you know, in his 60s. 
at that point, some people might think I'm just going to throw in the towel and retire early. My dad's a lifelong learner. So he took the year to get some new skills, brush up on his skills. He's in, he's in uh, engineering and, and he learned all about machine learning and AI and all of that. And he took all these free courses through Stanford and basically got on the other side of that getting a better job with better pay in his 60s. So the point here is that if you just kind of look at this year, Lena, and I mean, this is it's funny. In March, we were like, oh, we'll just have to get through the summer. Now, a lot of the mindset has shifted to, we just have to get through the next year. And how can I make this maybe not the best year, but still a good year for you? Maybe it's not a year where you're going to bring in a ton of income or any income, but how can you maximize this year to continue learning so that when you're ready in a year or so to get back into the workforce, you can show how you've grown, even though maybe you haven't been, you know, in a traditional job. But what are the skills that you are developing right now as you're juggling a 3,000 things? Um, and on top of that, maybe taking a night course online to brush up on your skills. That shows a lot of stamina and dedication and a future employer will see that. So think about what what I want my narrative to be between now and the next year. And and don't discount the narrative that's happening at home because that is skills building at its best. Like anyone right now who is juggling multiple things, work, virtual school, cleaning, that's time management. <laughs> it's a ninja skill, right? Right there. So think about how you can create a story around that and be able to go into your next interview in six months or in 12 months, feeling really good about the time that you invested at home and how you've grown. So that's not financial advice, but it is the sort of advice where I think can set you up for a lot of success, financial and career success, not too long from now. So Lena, hang in there. You're not alone. Uh, we got a question from uh, a gentleman listener, Dave, who's got twins, Troy, in college, college seniors. And like many families, these seniors are back at home because their school's closed due to the due to COVID-19. They're home for the semester. And I think, again, like a lot of families, parents, they're really happy to have their kids home. But also, if we're being really honest, not what they were expecting. It's a bit of a financial hit from food to utilities to energy. We had our brother living with us earlier in the summer and his girlfriend and our heating, our cooling bill was through the roof. Uh, so while I'm not in the, entirely in the same camp as Dave, I, I can empathize. So he's just wondering, how can we be more conscientious about household expenses right now? Obviously, he's not going to charge his kids rent. Although, hey, there's an idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, you know, like so many families, how can you put a lid on some of these household expenses like food and things like that if you have a bigger family with you now? Yeah, the- Dave's in a very common situation. Actually, you know, we, we, we didn't talk about it earlier, but the flip side of the survey where, where it was about, you know, 20% of parents out there with college age children or older actually had their uh, children move back in with them as a result of the pandemic. We saw the, the same thing happen during the Great Recession. Anytime uh, unemployment rises, you know, you, this tends to be the phenomenon here. So hopefully when the pandemic uh, is, sh- is shorter lived, although it's been going on for a while now, but hopefully once the coast is clear, they're, they're going to be on their way back out. 
but in the meantime, it's tough. And, and the, the, the individuals in our survey were, were certainly pointing towards, you know, increased food costs and energy costs and, and, and just all the other things that comes with having more people back in, in the house again. It's a, it's a difficult situation, it, but it does come back into, you know, the, the basics again. If you're going to continue to not charge rent to your children and, and pay for food and, you know, the cell phone bill and the like, then you're going to have to account for that, that added expense. Now, a lot of parents were already providing their college-age children uh, some sort of form of assistance prior to the, the pandemic, but now it's, uh, you know, most have increased that. So again, you got to account for it in your budget. And really, if there's an avenue towards your children continuing to provide something to the family or paying even just small expenses, those little things help. You know, again, it's difficult to get a job right now and they do have school to tend to, but those things would be where I'd start. And you don't want to sacrifice some of those long-term goals potentially for, for some short term here too. So mm-hmm. you're in a, in a different spot. And I think trying to weigh that out and finding any ways for your, for your children to pull a little bit of weight while they're at home would be a good place to start. Yeah. And for families that are really struggling with college age students, because there's tuition, obviously, and then uh, the household expenses, like uh, Dave pointed out, I want to focus a little bit on the tuition variable for a minute, because it's important to remind families that you can always reapply for FAFSA, especially when your finances at home change. So I remember in the last recession, so many people right lost their jobs and uh, tuition became a, a huge burden for a lot of families. A lot of them had already enrolled their kids in school and mid-year mom and dad lose their job. What's going to happen to their kid who's trying to finish up the school year and the tuition bill hasn't get, gotten paid? Well, you can reapply for a FAFSA. And if your financial situation has changed, you might be able to qualify for more financial aid. But I would also call your school's bursar's office, your financial aid office. Sometimes they have funds set aside for families that are experiencing extreme hardship. And I have been reading in the paper about families just renegotiating tuition, getting a little bit of tuition money back uh, because of the obvious reasons and that only being reserved for families that call and state their case, just like anything else you're negotiating right now, whether it's your credit card bill, your mortgage, you know, the lender is not going to come and necessarily, Hey, knock on your door and give you this, you know, wonderful gift of a deferred payment. You need to call and explain your case. And usually good communication, uh, gets you to some solutions. So I would encourage all families to call your universities and see what's available. You might be surprised. Yeah, excellent. All right, we have one more question. Lydia in the audience who is writing in and saying that her husband lost his job a couple months ago. Sorry about that, Lydia. Thankfully, though, she is still working and they do have savings to help cover a lot of their bills. And She's wondering, you know, kind of like what I was saying earlier about planning, is it silly to even think you can plan? But she's thinking of working with a financial planner, which may seem, she said, it may seem weird because, you know, I have one spouse not working. Are we the ideal, you know, clients for financial planners, given that our finances are a little bit of a, in a bind? So would we qualify and would it even be worth the cost for us at this point? And so I'm going to toss that over to you because you're the expert, Troy. Yeah, I, you know, it's an unfortunate situation with your husband. And thankfully, you've got savings. Again, like we've talked about earlier, not everybody has put themselves in a position to be able to navigate through these times. And but certainly wanting to sit down with a, a trusted professional 
and talk about your situation is something that that you should look towards potentially doing. It's it's really tough to go it alone, you know, and wonder and 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 oftentimes because of just just needing to talk to somebody uh, can really help put you at ease, a, a check, if you will. So I, I would still look for, you know, maybe some friends or uh, that you can trust that 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 work with somebody that maybe will give you a referral. Again, finding somebody that you, you do trust and can create a, a plan for you or just talk through what what's going on uh, is well worth it. And, and, you know, most, you know, financial professionals aren't going to charge something for just to sit down and have a conversation with you. So you kind of get to fill them out a little bit there too. So I, I wouldn't worry about the, um, even qualifying to work with somebody and instead just try to find somebody that, that comes recommended from those others that you trust. And that, that tends to be a good starting point. Yeah, I would say talk to maybe two or three different financial advisors. And like Troy said, the first meeting is always almost free. And some advice, because I've gone through the process myself years ago, I think the best financial advisors are like Troy. They ask a lot of questions of you. They want to know what your goals are. They want to know what you care about. They want to know, you know, what your financial ambitions are in that first meeting. And I have been in other meetings though, where, you know, the financial advisor is all about telling me about her, you know, investment results for her clients. And I mean, that's exciting, but it's not really why I'm here. And I, you know, I'd like to use the the first meeting to share as much about myself as possible. So be on the lookout for that kind of an advisor who really takes the time to understand your situation and, you know, perhaps won't be discouraged by the fact that your husband is unemployed right now, that's a lot of people and that's life, right? And But the important thing is, is that you want to achieve certain things down the road and you want some some advice and some coaching along the way. That first meeting is a no-brainer. You should definitely uh, definitely look into that. Well, Troy, thanks for helping out our listeners. It's been really nice to sit down and give some qualitative and quantitative you know, insights and advice for our listeners. I think most important about this survey is just feeling like you're not alone. We really appreciate you. Thanks for this partnership. Yeah, thanks so much, Farnoosh. I really appreciate the time. And uh, it's, it's, it's fun to get to, you know, in a difficult time to, to, to have these conversations and, and sit down and help people if we can. And everybody, for more budgeting advice and savings tips, I've got tons for you over at countryfinancial.com slash Farnoosh. Hope you check it out. And I hope your weekend is so money. 